Well, good evening. To be honest, I wasn't uh, aware I was actually going to be speaking tonight until just this past February, so you'll have to bear with me. Um, <laughs> I'm not as prepared as I'd like to be. Um, no, tonight I'm just going to be going over my testimony. Um, I, was, I was able to do it a couple years ago, I think three or four. Um, but uh, that was at the very beginning of when we started going here. And so um, hopefully I'm able to talk about more of the things that I've been able to do here um, since being at Claremont. So uh, I guess I'll start with um, uh, the, day, the day I got saved. It was, uh, I think, almost 15 years ago now. Uh, it was three and a half. Uh, we were in Arizona where we used to live. Um, at my aunt and uncle's house. Um, I, I think I was, I was uh, hanging out one day and, and decided to ask my mom um, how I could live with her and be with her forever, um, not knowing how her response was going to be and, and not expecting it at all. But the, uh, the response she gave me was, was uh, what, what seemed to have, to have done the trick for me. And, and uh, she, she mentioned how uh, there, when, when someone dies, there are two places you're going to go. It's either going to be heaven, it's going to be hell. She, she explained how when, when she had gotten saved about 10 years prior to that day, how she, um, because of that decision she made, she was going to be in heaven with the Lord. And how uh, in, order to, in order to go to heaven, you had to do these things. You had to, you had to put your faith and trust in the Lord. You had to repent of your sin. You had to, you had to you trust in the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. Um, and, and if, but, but by not doing those things, it, it, unfortunately, hell is the, is the default. It's, it's, uh, there's, there's, no, there's no in between. And so I, I didn't completely understand it at that age, but I was, uh, I was able to understand what she was saying enough. And uh, I do believe that was the day that, that I put my faith in the Lord Jesus. Um, I, I, tr I trusted in him on that day and, uh, and haven't, haven't, I, I, I haven't, I don't doubt it. So um, I'm very thankful for for my mom and, and the, the testimony she was. Um, but I, I, I want to say it was maybe five years later, six years later, until I was, I was about eight or nine, when she, or when I, when I sorry, I uh, finally realized the, the, true, the true meaning of what it meant to be saved and the, the, the real price that Christ paid for, for me uh, on the cross and how if I, if I hadn't made the decision, um, or, and, if, and if anyone doesn't make the decision, the, how, how awful hell is and, and, and how I would have been there if I had died that day or before that time. Um, so, so, as I said, it was, it was much later when I, when I, when I realized the, the true sacrifice that Christ made for me and how um, by him going on the cross, by him uh, going through what he did for the for that those three days um, or the, the 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 day and a half before um, before his death that that he took on our sin he took on all of mankind's sin mine and 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 everyone else who has has ever walked the earth and ever will walk the earth um, and that only by putting our faith in him but and only by uh, believing in what he did for us the sacrifice he made by re by repenting of uh, the sin we've committed only then can we go to heaven only then can we can we have eternal life um this was this was a a, a very scary moment for me uh at that age I, I was i was honestly terrified when i finally kind of realized i think it was at sunday school one day um when i was eight or nine and uh and i, I was so thankful that i had made that decision at, at the age i did rather than wait and put it off until you know till who knows um 
and so I'm, I'm, ex I'm extremely grateful for, uh, as I said, the, the, the testimony that my mom was. Um, the, uh, there, there was a time when, when I was maybe 10, 10 to 14, the, the years prior to us um, starting to, to go here to Claremont, um, where I wasn't really growing. I wasn't, I wasn't pursuing the Lord. I wasn't in my Bible and, and praying as, as much as I should have been. But honestly, a lot of that changed, and, and it, 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 uh, it is, is greatly due to um, us starting to attend here at Claremont and the, uh, the, the ministries you guys have um, each week and each, each year, um, it is, it is, it pushed me farther than I ever, than I ever thought I would go. Um, and I'm, I'm very thankful for those who have helped me along the way and, and the, the teaching that I've heard and received and just the, the example you guys are. Um, it's, it's, it's something I, I'm very, very grateful for. Um, the, uh, the, the opportunities I've had here, such as Awana, um, have been have been really great. Um, not only for for doing the Lord's work and serving, but but um, for myself as well to see young young men and women, young little boys and girls who um, who have either uh, already made the decision or make the decision because of these ministries, um, the hearts they have for the Lord, and the uh, just the the joy it is to to watch them grow uh, each year, as as you see as many of them you see year in and year out. Um, those have been, those have been some, some, that's been one of the most encouraging things for me is to be able to help with that ministry, as well as um, camp and, uh, and VBS, seeing souls get saved and, uh, and seeing the kingdom grow is, is really encouraging for, because prior to us coming here, it was a very, the, the, the place we're at was, was very, very lukewarm and it wasn't, uh, it was the, the, the gospel wasn't being put out and, and, and shared as often as it should have been. So being here is, has been a, an incredible encouragement for, uh, for me and, and I know my family as well. Um, go ahead and turn to uh, Romans 3 and verse 23. So just some verses that were... Uh, that I, that I learned uh, going through Awanas um, at a younger age that that really, um, in my opinion, just just uh, clear up the uh, the concerns that I had. Romans three, starting verse twenty three, we we'll read a couple. It says, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith." This was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God, he passed over from the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Uh, these verses are, are, they speak to me in the, the, the importance of, of and, and the, the greatness of, of Christ and, and um, how only only through him we are we are sanctified we are justified uh, we cannot do it on our own um, that was something I had to realize um, when, you know, that's something I realized a, a little a little later on but I just encourage you that for those of you that maybe aren't saved um, to uh, to to consider it to 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 ask the Lord um, to to guide you in it because it it's it's the greatest decision you will ever make. I think anybody in this room will, will agree with me on that, that 
um, I'm so thankful that I was able to make the decision at a young age and, uh, and have been able to live for the Lord um, for, the, for the majority of my life. Um, but, it, but the age doesn't matter. It's, uh, no, no matter how old you are, the Lord is, the Lord is ready to accept you um, into, into his family. So uh, I guess with that, I will welcome up. All right, thank you, Lincoln, for getting us started there. <clears throat> I, I could not have spoken like that when I was 18 years old. Um, we're proud of you, Lincoln. Thank you for being willing to share that, and um, you're a delight to raise, and it was a pleasure hearing you. But, um, and you'll find out why I couldn't share that when I was 18, uh, why I couldn't do, do this at that age. Um, I, want to, uh, I want to share a, a, a piece of my testimony uh, about how I walked away from the Lord for a while, not, not purposely, not intentionally, but I want to share that through the kind of a vignette or the window of Psalm 51. So we'll, we'll turn there in a little bit, but I identify with that psalm, and the more, the more I read it, I've really looked at it a lot over the past few months, and I, I started to realize I identify with that psalm on so many levels. Of course, it was the psalm that, was, that David wrote after he had uh, come clean and, and been confronted by his son Nathan the prophet after his deed with Bathsheba and, and killing Uriah the Hittite and others. Um, so that was his sin. But this is a prayer of repentance. And uh, I identify with just about every verse in there as I'm reading it and, and studying it recently. Um, there's a time in my life that I'd like to share about. And, and I'll be going, sharing my, with my testimony uh, and, and also, you know, with it and sharing what David is writing in Psalm 51 at the same time. I, I think you'll see how it's all put together. Um, I was originally saved. I came to the Lord Jesus as my Savior at the age of 12. Um, but for whatever reason, and I, I know I've shared this before, I think one of the first few months we were here, I, I gave that part of my testimony. I wasn't discipled back then. I wasn't around or surrounded by good Christian uh, you know, people that, and I, I, I wasn't encouraged in the Lord by, by those whom I chose to hang out with. I, I can't blame anybody for it. I, I wish I had desired that and gone after that, but I wasn't. So I was very stagnant for a while as a believer. But I still had a heart for the Lord, though. I, I never consciously turned my back to him. I never said, no, I, I just don't want that anymore. I'm going to do my own thing. Um, but I did begin to kind of brush away the voice of God. I was very unaware that I was doing it, and it, it just happened kind of slowly, um, one little bit at a time. And um, I, I remember sensing conviction over right and wrong, and I remember trying to make the right decisions. And, um, and, and I, I did have a desire to draw close to God, but it, it kind of started to wane. And as you guys may well know, Satan doesn't wave a flag in front of you and say, hey, I'd like to draw you away from the Lord for a while. Why don't you come with me? And I'm letting you know right now that I'm doing that. And he's very, very sneaky. And he, he does it in sneaky, subtle, slow ways that I was to, to find out. Um, but I began to live through the power of my own flesh. Very, very subtly, very slowly. I didn't, I didn't purposely turn away from the Lord, but I, I stopped putting him first. And I started realizing, you know, the flesh can be strong, and I started to realize it's kind of a, a neat thing to, to, to do things and do it by your own power and be excited about it, and, and that's how the world works. Um, I was to find out it, it, didn't, it didn't work uh, in the long run. But in the famous story of 2 Samuel, David had a moment like that when, when he decided to live by the power of his flesh, and uh, he had sent his troops to battle. He went out on his roof one night, and saw Bathsheba, and I presume you know how that worked, how that worked out. Um, and it was, like I said, after that, he, he came and wrote Psalm 51, amongst a, a, much, a bunch of other psalms as well. 
But I want to pose a question for us to think about before I go further in talking about living by the power of your flesh. The question is, could you be living right now in such a way that you are still the one trying to overcome your selfish, fleshly desires? Are you doing that in your own strength? Whether you're a believer or not, are you allowing yourself to be controlled or led by the power of your flesh? It's a tough question to ask. About the age of 16, for me, I became very, very driven by the desire to succeed, uh, the desire to achieve fame and personal glory. I, I literally bought into the lie that you can do anything you put your mind to. So many people were telling me that, oh, you put your mind to it, you can do anything. You can change the world. You can do that. You can. And for, for me, I, I, started, I started running. That was my sport. I tried baseball and BMX and soccer. Eh, it just wasn't my thing. But running grabbed me by the neck. I loved it. Uh, I, I was the kid that when we ran the mile in PE, I'd finish a lap ahead of everybody and, and wonder where they all were. Coach, am I done? You know, that's, that's easy. You know, it was my thing. I still enjoy it. But it wasn't running that became my God. The self-centered pursuit to find my own glory and to, do, and to achieve that through the power of my own flesh became my God. The problem was the position of my heart. And I wanted to do it on my own. I said, you know, Lord, I, I know I'm saved, but this is something I'm just, I'm so pursuant at. I want to I wanna go after this. And after seven or eight years of striving um, through high school and college, I was exhausted. Not necessarily physically exhausted. In fact, I, I wound up in great shape. <laughs> I'm not complaining. But, but having achieved nothing significant, really, as an athlete or a student, I, I didn't ever really get anywhere with it. I was exhausted in spirit because I'd been living through the power and drive of my own flesh. I, I can remember just as finishing college competition, just going, what was that? I'm just, I'm just dead. I'm just done. I, di I, didn't, know, I didn't know what I had accomplished. I, I kind of looked back at my life and said, I, I don't know what to do right now. I, I pursued that for so long. I didn't really get anywhere with it. I knew that I couldn't really go any further with it. It was a very, very strange place to be. So I wound up in kind of a, a dead end after college. And because I was, I, I was so driven by my flesh and the pursuit of, of glory and achievement, um, I, I wound up not really thinking through what I wanted to do with my life. I wound up thinking, I didn't think about enough of who I was and what I, what I should have been uh, thinking about as far as an occupation and that sort of thing. I probably didn't major in the right thing to begin with. I, I got a degree in geology and a job fairly quickly as an environmental geologist. I was actually an environmental hydrologist uh, sampling water in, uh, I, I wound up at these these uh, asphalt parking lots in Phoenix and Yuma, uh, when it was like 115, putting a pump down into these wells um, and for hours and hours and just sweating bullets and, and doing all this hard work, I just couldn't stand it. It was such a horrible job. And I, I thought, almost anybody could do this. I, I don't need a college degree to do it. And I, and I had a lot of long, lonely hours out in those hot parking lots saying, Lord, why, why did I do this? How did I trap myself in this? And I, I knew I wasn't using any of my gifts. I just was, I was just stuck. And so, and, and for a while, I just thought it was the job that was the bummer for me. And I, I had to, I, I prayed a lot. And I started coming back to the Lord. And I started going, you know what? There's, there's a reason why I'm in this position. At the time, Michelle and I were engaged. Um, I had to stay with the job. I tried to quit. It didn't work out. I went back and begged for my job. I was stuck in this job. And, and so I, I had pinned my um, my misery on the job, but really I was, in, I was in just this deep, dark, lost hole. I was in this funk, and I couldn't get out of it, and the Lord kept me in the trial. I have no, no doubt, as looking back with 2020 hindsight, the Lord didn't allow a new job or a new opportunity to open up. And so I, I was stuck there, but I, I, there was a lot of time on my knees and in the scriptures, and a lot of, uh, oh, that didn't quite work out for me. Um, and so, but now as I read Psalm 51, 
I, and we're, we're going to start reading it a little bit here, just giving background. I realized I, I was in a pretty similar position to David as he wrote this famous prayer of repentance. And I can identify with this psalm. I can, I can see myself in it in such a way that every, every verse of it reminds me of some point in my repentance and my return to the Lord after realizing that, that my way just wasn't working out. So another question I want you to think about before we start reading, I, and, and before we look through the process of returning to the Lord that Psalm 51 spells out, because it really is a process. It's a really neat psalm that, that we, as you step through it, you realize that there's, there's, there's several steps involved here. Here's the question I want you to think about. Have you become stagnant, stagnant at some place along the process of the repentant heart's continual journey of drawing closer to the Lord like Psalm 51 describes. I'll read it again. It's kind of a long sentence. Have you become stagnant at some place along the process of the repentant heart's continual journey of drawing closer to the Lord like Psalm 51 describes? So David had committed adultery and murder, but I had lived through the power of my own flesh. It was sin in either case. And regardless, that heart of repentance looks the same. You might find yourself identifying with this psalm as well. If you've ever backslidden, if you've ever been in a place where you have to go to the Lord and say, you know what, I messed up and I need you and I'm coming back to you, Lord. Let's now begin reading a little bit. I'm going to go a little bit at a time and, and again, throw in uh, bits and pieces of my own testimony as I go along. But Psalm 51, let's envision David on his knees. His tears are flowing. He's at the, he's at the he has nowhere else to go. He's turning to the Lord and, uh, and he begins to, uh, to speak to the Lord. <clears throat> Starting verse 1, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. We need to keep in mind, this is not the first time David has come to the Lord. It's not his salvation prayer. He's had a relationship with the Lord, so he knows who he's speaking to. And according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He's getting right to the chase. Lord, I need you to, I need you to clean me up here. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin thoroughly. He doesn't just want to get rid of the last couple of sins. He's saying, Lord, let's take it from the inside out. Would you clean me up? And I want, I want to be different from here on. For I acknowledge my transgressions. He's being honest. The Lord, you, the Lord sees him anyway, and he knows that, that that's the case. And my sin is always before me. You know that feeling when just something's just constantly gnawing and nagging at you and you just can't get it off your mind? He's trapped in his sin. It's, it's been made public, and he's just trying to get beyond it. He, he's just disgusted with it. Verse 4, against you, you only, Lord, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. So David realizes that his sin specifically is between himself and God only. He didn't really sin against Bathsheba or Uriah or the others that he, that he murdered. He sinned against God. Sin is between us and God. But finishing at verse 4, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Again, he knows the Lord, and he's, he, I think he's saying, Lord, let's, let's do this on your terms. You're the just one. You're the one without the sin. I want to agree with you as I'm repenting. I want, I want to be honest. Verse 5, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. I wonder why it's the mother that gets blamed for conceiving in sin right there, but anyway, it's Father's Day too. But anyway, I was... I was brought forth in iniquity. It was a sinner from the beginning. Verse 6, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. You can see him starting to drill in. He's getting, he's talked about his sin, and now he wants something else. You desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts, you will make me to know wisdom. That phrase, you desire truth in the inward parts, I can identify as well and relate really deeply with David, David's words here. Salvation, as a first-time salvation, it, it ends up bringing so much more than what we originally realized. There, it, it's, the, it's the open door to a walk 
of, through, with, through your life with the Lord. And then and there becomes a kind of a transformation from the inside out, all right? And that's what the Lord wants to do with us. And during this time, as I was coming back to the Lord, as college had ended, I was in that dead end, still in that job, I started, I wanted to know God more. I, I, I started realizing there's so much more depth to this faith that I had originally ever realized. I wanted to see him clean me up. I wanted to, I wanted to know wisdom. Um, I, I wanted to know what my spiritual gifts were. I became really curious about all these things that were in the word that I, I had never known were really there. I wanted to know his word more. I wanted to memorize it. I, and I wanted to be truthful and transparent before my Savior, knowing that he wants to use a clean vessel. And David in verse 6 is wanting more. He's, he's realizing that the preciousness of drawing close to God and seeing the Lord change him through the power of repentance and forgiveness and by going humbly to his knees. There is power when we're on our knees. Verse 7 says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Did you all take a hyssop bath before coming tonight? You all cleaned up? It's actually what, they would, what people would use to, it's an herb, they would use it and bathe themselves in it, um, after, especially after being anywhere near a leper. Um, it, was, it was done uh, to, to cleanse the body. And, and David's saying, get inside me, Lord, and cleanse me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Um, and the same, I had the same realization and the same desire myself as I came back and drew closer to the Lord at, towards the end of college, and I, I didn't want to live selfishly anymore. I was starting to realize how much of that selfish, uh, self-glorifying pursuit that had distracted me for so long, what it had done. And I, I realized I, I couldn't justify myself. I, I wasn't able to win what I wanted to win and do the great things that brought accolades. I didn't get anything out of it. And I realized I, I couldn't justify myself. I couldn't justify myself before God, once I had realized that the Lord Jesus is the only one who can justify us. You don't need to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 6, 11 hits the nail on the head with that. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. It's beautiful. Continue back in, in Psalm 51, verse 8 says, Make me hear joy and gladness. You can see David's tone starting to go deeper and deeper. He wants to not only be washed from his sin and cleaned out, Lord, let's have some joy, let's have some gladness, let, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. He's ready to just run away from it. Lord, let's leave that behind. I'm done with it. So he's dealt with a sin, and he agrees with God that it's repulsive, and he's come clean. But now listen to what else he wants. As we get into verse 10, he's wanting, he's wanting something even deeper. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me, saying, would you rekindle that fire? Let's get that going again. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. That verse 11, that line there, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me, David had seen the Holy Spirit taken away from Saul. He was quite aware of that, and he's saying, please, not that. Don't, don't leave me out to dry without your Holy Spirit. I want to come back to you, and I, I want everything you can possibly give me, Lord. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Again, it's not a first time uh, David going to his knees asking for, for salvation, but restore to me the joy of your salvation. Lord, I, I lost that joy when I sinned. Bring it back. Um, he's had a relationship, but he wants that joy to be restored into his clean vessel, just starting over brand new. And finishing verse 12, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. Now he wants to get to work. Notice what he's doing now. I will teach transgressors your ways. He's keenly aware that he doesn't, of, of how awful it is to run away and sin. He doesn't want that to happen to others now. And sinners shall be converted to you. Verse 14, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. Now, it wasn't that long ago that I, I wasn't really so aware of, 
of what God can do with your guilt. He took that guilt on the cross. You know, Bob spoke about that this morning, what, the, what God, what, what, what Jesus did uh, and what was done to his flesh. And as, he, and his, as his flesh was pierced in seven different wounds, um, the guilt of all of us was carried on, it was carried on his back and taken and, and put away. It, let's not carry it anymore. And David's aware that, that the Lord God can get rid of his guilt. And finishing verse 14, my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. Now I want to talk a bit more about the guilt. In David's case, it was the guilt of bloodshed. And I, I, there was a unique way that the Lord worked some guilt out of me. And I want to share that for a little bit here. So after college, and, and as Michelle and I were, were first married, um, the Lord allowed me to have a very gracious, a very precious and timely U-turn as far as my education and my career was concerned. I'd, I'd hit that dead end and said, wow, I wish I'd majored in something else. I wish I'd given five minutes of thought in college to becoming a teacher. Michelle inspired me and said, why don't you think about being a teacher? And I said, as soon as she said that, damn, why didn't I think of that? She always knows. Anyway, so, but as I saw him... As I saw the Lord working things out, the joy of my salvation was restored. I began to have a desire as well, in referring to verse 13, uh, to serve the Lord by working with youth. And as we were early married, uh, my brother-in-law was a youth pastor, and he said, yeah, come along if you want to try working with kids and, and get involved and, and see how you'd like that. Um, it, you know, and I had that desire, the same as what David wrote there. I will teach transgressors your ways. I wanted to see kids saved. And that's one of the reasons why I identify so well with Psalm 51, when you come back to the Lord and you want to do something for his kingdom. But I had to go back to school. So here I'm about 23, 24 years old. We're barely making it month to month. Uh, Michelle is working at an Alzheimer's care home, and we made the d difficult decision that I would go back to school. I had to go back for two and a half more years of education classes and math classes, everything Danny just finished. I didn't, I didn't want to go back to school at that time. I went, oh, I just did this. You know, here I go, back. Let's drive right back to Arizona State, and there we go again. Um, but I end up getting a math teaching certificate. I got a math teaching job at Mountain Point High School, and I have started volunteering to coach cross-country. Um, the boys' cross-country team, the, 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 a good, actually, Christian man said, yeah, you can, you can volunteer and help coach if you'd like. So, uh, okay, I joined the boys' team. Never gave a thought of coaching the girls, but, um, and, and started doing that. And, and in, just in doing that, and then just in the change of lifestyle, I finally realized that my selfish striving for personal glory that I'd spoken about, again, it wasn't the running that was my God, but that selfish desire to, to succeed, it had gotten me nowhere, nowhere athletically or with any kind of pursuit like that. I realized I needed to repent about that. I needed to cease striving and just give that to God because it wasn't ever going to go anywhere, but it was, still, it was still kind of nagging in the back of my mind the whole time. So I did something that I, I will never forget. We'd already had, Lincoln had been born. Uh, Michelle and him were out somewhere some night, um, probably delivering a meal to somebody who just had a baby. I don't know. Um, but I had the house to myself, and I got on my knees, and I lifted my hands, and I said, Lord, I need to be done with this whole pursuit of self-glorification and in trying to achieve something for myself. I knew it had clouded my mind. I knew it had set me on the wrong path, and I just gave it up to him. I, I, I acknowledged my sin just in the same way that Psalm 51 starts as, as David is, is weeping before the Lord. Um, and little did I know what that, what that would really mean to the Lord, but I think he'd been waiting for me to do that. But nearly immediately, I'm talking less than 24 hours later, um, I got a phone call from the athletic director at my, at my high school where I was and um, had a little chat with him. And he said, hey, there's a, a position open for coaching cross-country. Would you like to be the girls' cross-country coach? And I went, oh, man, girls? Really, girls? Uh. 
And, you know, and so I said, well, let me think about it, you know. So Michelle and I talked and prayed. We had about two or three days to decide it. And, and I remember her saying just one time, you know, this may be the opportunity that the Lord is opening for you. And this is maybe what, what he's, he, just, just wait and see what he can do. I remember that distinctly. Little did I know what God was doing when he started this. And so those mad, selfish years of running and living by the power of my own flesh, um, they were going to be used by the Lord one way or the other, and I, I had no idea. I was still ashamed of how I'd literally run away from God to pursue my own glory for so many years, though. It, it, it was still just kind of there. Um, but but I, I had given it up, um, but I just didn't see the purpose of, and I didn't, I didn't see how it all had worked out yet. Verse 14 in Psalm 51 speaks about being delivered from my guilt, as we had just read. And, and as I said, the Lord did this in a very unique way in my life. I, I worked hard as a coach. I learned a lot the first year. Uh, that was the, the fall of 2000 season. I learned a lot more about coaching girls. Um, I knew the running end of it fairly well just from my own experience. But um, I, I, did, I, didn't, I had no idea what was coming my way as far as uh, how it was all going to work out. Uh, the, when we started the 2001 season, everything was kind of falling into place. And I kind of had a grip on the team. Um, and at the end of the season, they were the state champions in Arizona as a team. I, and, and it's funny, the, the pursuit I had so as an individual, as an athlete, ended up flipping on me. And I didn't even realize I was doing this, that I focused not so much on the individuals, but in cr trying to create the team into a family and then getting them to work together. And it did the trick. They won the state championship in 2001, 2002, and 2003. And after that, I just, there was no more guilt left, let me just tell you that, about trying to pursue my own my own glory for that um, as an individual. Um, it, I was absolutely blown away. And it, especially after three in a row, I, I, I spent quite a bit of time just in my quiet time and saying, Lord, I, you know me so much better than I ever thought. And, and certainly a lot better than I know myself. And it was, it was after that that I, I really started realizing he doesn't, he doesn't want us to chase our own dreams. He doesn't really want us to go do anything in our own strength. But if we give things up to him, he can end up turning it around and, and making something happen in such a more distinct and amazing way than um, in his own way than we ever thought. Um, I, was, I was blown away. I hope you hear me boasting in the Lord because that's exactly how that happened. And, and he, he owns those accomplishments and victories. So praise God, just like David said in verse 15, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. I was, uh, I was just flabbergasted. Um, I think... I, I was fascinated with how the Lord orchestrated a way for me to still use my passion and my joy for running and, and, and uh, you know, and, and trying, to, trying to earn something and, and do it with, with uh, you know, effort. But now he had created a new opportunity. And now it was all done through his power. I prayed and prayed for the athletes that I coached and for the words that I used as I was at practice and everything like that. Um, but now it was centered on others now, not me. And I found that to be fascinating. When I was able to say, hey, you can do this and we're doing this together, and with, with team state championships, um, no one really gets the glory. I couldn't as a coach. It took seven runners to achieve it. It was a team effort. It was a family thing. And that part of it really, really fascinated me as well. I think in a nutshell, I, I was just blown away with how fascinating it was. And, um, and I was blessed to be a blessing to the athletes and students as I was attempting to, to serve him. So that was just, it, it was God's, it's almost like his stamp of approval. Um, after I had relinquished what I was going for, and then he brought something back into my life, turned it into his own thing, and it was just fascinating. So it was through all that, like I said, that the guilt, was, the guilt from my own striving was, was taken away. Um, David wrote back in Psalm 51, after, after he had realized what he had done, after he had allowed himself a selfish moment, 
um, to let his flesh lead the way. I can identify with David in the psalm because I have seen what God does with a repentant heart and that whole sanctifying process that, that comes with giving up flesh-powered living. So when you, when you give your pursuit to the Lord, he's able to really change it. That's what he wants is a repentant heart. And the psalm begins to conclude with, with focusing on the heart itself and what kind of heart the Lord wants us to have. Um, really studying the, the psalms in general, especially the ones that David wrote, can show us how God removed David's guilt as well. So when David said, Lord, remove, remove, uh, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, I, I think one way he did that was by allowing all of David's psalms uh, to be published in the Word of God. I mean, here we have them. We can learn from his mistake, and now, um, you know, here they are um, in the Holy Word of God. It's, it's amazing how the, what the Lord did with him as well, of course. But God wants, what God wants is a contrite heart. If you look at verse 17, sort of near the end of Psalm 51, uh, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, a contrite heart, a heart that is remorseful and repentant. These, O oh God, you will not despise. That's ultimately what he wants. He wants a remorseful and a repentant heart. He will not despise this. Well, jumping forward even today now, um, working as a math teacher and as a coach and, and you know, serving at Awana, VBS coming up this week, uh, boys camp, um, I like to remind myself of where I came from and, and what the Lord did and, and, and what he's doing. And I, I want to be, be open to what he wants to continue to, to do with me. I encourage you to do the same. Um, I think it's a good time to remind us of Philippians 1.6, that being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. But we have to stay close to him. Um, the minute you feel yourself starting to go after something that might be just your own thing, um, give it to the Lord. I can only encourage you to do that. Ask the Lord, is this something I really should be striving for? We need to stay close. Um, living by the power of our own flesh is exhausting. And we need to be praying for each other in this assembly, uh, that we would always be living by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, um, serving through the Spirit. You know, it, it's easy to, once you get into to a routine with things. I mean, I've done VBS four years in a row. I don't want to phone it in. I don't just want to show up and say, yeah, I got this. Oh, man, I, same with Awana or anything else going to the Lord first and saying, I need your strength. I need the words that I teach with. I need everything from you, Lord. I want it to be done to glorify you. That's my, that's my prayer. I'd asked a question um, for us to think about earlier. So I, I just want to ask it again. Are you living or have you lived in such a way that you are still the one trying to overcome your selfish fleshly desires? Or do you need to go to your knees with a stronghold that needs to be surrendered? All of us have those tugs, those things, those those perpetual sins that nag at us. And instead of saying, I can be strong and I, I, can, I cannot do that, I cannot look at that, I cannot say that, I won't think those things, um, and, and I, I can do it, um, the best thing to do, because that doesn't, or that's still doing it in your own strength, run 180 degrees away from whatever it is that's hugging you to the Lord. The Lord is opposite of the sin. Go to him. He's the only one that is going to be able to take you away from the temptation. So I challenge us to be thinking about that. Are we striving with our own flesh? to achieve things that God does not necessarily want us to be chasing. You know, it's a popular thing to say, hey, let's set a goal. Let's go after a goal. Well, ask yourself, is it your goal or is it God's will? I think it's always a good thing to run by the Lord. This goal that I've set, God, is this me going after something? Is it going to be a dead end or is this really your will? Do you really want me to do this? So, and that, that's not supposed to be an easy question for any of us to consider if we're being honest before God. Um, it might take some time to finally get to where you are honest and say, you know, it took some time for David to realize before he'd written Psalm 51, when Nathan came to him and said, 
guess what, David? You, you did something not so good here, and I'm just telling you because I want you to deal with it. Um, to kind of bring all this into a nutshell, I, I want you to turn to Romans, if you would. Romans 8, it speaks about the, that wrestling between the flesh and the spirit here. Romans 8, starting verse 5, 5 through 11, we'll read Romans 8. New Testament. Romans 8, and starting in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's what I did as a youngster. Seven or eight years there, I set my mind on the things of the flesh. I set it on myself. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. It's just in a completely different circle, uh, living by the flesh. Verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And I found that out all too painfully. Verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I find that really encouraging uh, that, you know, while we live in these fleshly bodies, we are going to be tempted to do things in our own power, in our own way. Um, put them before the Lord. I, I'm encouraging us as an as a assembly. Uh, those things that we are tempted to do in our own way, Ask the Lord if there's a way that He would, um, if He's gonna, if He, if He's with you, um, or if, or if you're doing it in your own strength. And I pray that uh, that the Lord would reveal that to you. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we all we all struggle uh, with those earthly desires, those tugs that cause us to to want to tackle life's passions and accomplishments uh, by ourselves, and we all have to continue. Uh, living in this fleshly body until you call us home or until your son gloriously returns. But I, I pray, Lord, that we'd be reminded of the power that is within you and only you and, and the grace that you want to bestow upon us when we let go of those fleshly desires, when we finally surrender them to you. Only you can overcome those struggles that we have. So we pray for the humility to go to you with those areas of our lives that we are trying to control, those things for which we secretly desire to have the glory. Lord, you deserve all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we have victory. He's already overcome. He is the victorious one, and he gives that to us. We praise you for that. In his precious and holy name, we thank you and we pray. Amen.